That passage was the key scripture this year for the Women Walking with God conference. Conference number eight, by the way. And most of Northsiders and all of our guests probably are aware of what the women's conference is. Uh, maybe a few of you who are new to Northside and don't know or some visitor that didn't come for the conference. Uh, it's, as far as I know, the biggest women's event in the Brotherhood. Uh, one of the biggest events of any kind, but I think certainly the biggest for strictly women in the Church of Christ's Brotherhood that I know of. About 1,200 women almost were here this weekend for it. Uh, started in 2007. It's grown every year, uh, not just in size, but in quality, I think. Uh, this year had to move to a new venue uh, because so many people wanted tickets. We just kept selling out. Uh, and all of that required a lot of faith and a lot of work. So this year's was a little bit different, a little bit special. Uh, the most special thing about it, I think, and the reason I'm talking about it for just a little bit this morning, is that uh, that conference and all that goes on with it was dreamed up and is up, carried out, managed completely by Northside women. Uh, we have a lot of talent here. We have a lot of talented women that can do a lot of things, and uh, I'm, I'm proud of them, and I like to say so at least once a year. Uh, now, they don't operate at all by themselves. They get a lot of help from a lot of men. There's a lot of tired men here today. Uh, because they had to move a whole lot of Northside out of this building and over across town and then back last night uh, to get it ready for us to worship here this morning. So uh, it is definitely a team effort. Now that presents a problem for the guy preaching on Sunday morning uh, because a very large percentage of my audience is absolutely whipped. <laughs> they... <laughs> They are thinking bed, pillow, nap. That's what they're focusing on here, I know. So uh, that presents me a problem. And usually I try to counter that problem by talking about the conference a bit and recounting some of it and, and praising those folks that got it done and all that. But I got an extra problem this year because I had some ladies come to me and say, you know, usually you talk about the conference the Sunday after and... Praise the women and go on and on about it. And that's a little bit embarrassing. Well, we've got so many guests that stay over. And uh, to get there Sunday and all you do is talk about what a good job we did, uh, that's a little bit embarrassing. Uh, my response to that is, so what? <laughs> I don't mind embarrassing people, uh, especially if the honor is due to them. Uh, who get a little bit of honor. But I decided to honor their request and dial it back a little bit today. Uh, I want to talk about what all the people did uh, that made conference happen without talking so much directly about them specifically. Now, I, I do want to reiterate that I do believe we've got an unusual, a providential amount of talent at Northside. Uh, we have got speakers and song leaders and uh, MCs uh, that can carry something like that off uh, that are equal to any and better than most, I believe. Uh, we've got decorators and organizers and managers and box movers and trash picker-uppers, and uh, we've got everything 
that's needed to pull such a thing off. Uh, a lot of congregations can't say that. Uh, so I, I want you to understand that I do think we have a special group here. But I want to talk in general about what they've done the last few days, last few weeks, months, and years for that matter. And I want to go to Romans chapter 12 because that's where they picked their key passage. Uh, be joyful on the journey. And I want to go start at the top of chapter 12. Uh, the first few verses of Romans 12 say some very interesting things about what happened, I think, the last few days and over the last year. Let's start with verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's what all those different people did. That's what all those volunteers combined to do. Uh, if you put it in biblical terms, they presented their bodies as living sacrifices. They, they offered their service holy and pleasing to God. And what Paul says about that, he says that's spiritual worship. And that's the key thing I want us to think about this morning is uh, what's it mean to be a Christian? Well, we've talked the last six weeks or so about being free from sin. We've talked about how you get to be free from sin. We've talked about how you stay free from sin. And all of that's very important, and we need to know that, and we've got to understand it, and we ought to rejoice in it and, and celebrate it. But what's it really mean, once you're free from sin, to live as a Christian? Well, that's what Paul's telling us here. Paul says you ought to present your body as a living sacrifice. He says it ought to be holy. We talked about that a little bit last week, about how we stay free from sin. He says it ought to be a holy sacrifice, but then he goes on and says, living sacrifices, that's worship. That's your act of worship. Now, what I'm proposing this morning is that over the last three days, all of the, the moving, all of the truck loading, all of the returning, all that's gone on this whole past year, the management team and the team leaders planning ahead and making plans, spending time doing all of that, using their talents to do all of that, all of that has been worship. And it's not just the women's conference. It's just the thing that happened this week that I'm talking about. But all that we do here. I could do the same thing, talk about Celebrate Recovery. All of the people that participate in that and make that happen to help others. What they're doing, all the things that they do throughout the week, not just on Thursday night. Everything that they do for that's worship. The education system, all the people that work in that and educate our kids and teach the adult classes and organize all of that, that's worship. If you need a valet parker, the, the valets out there this morning, they're taking time. They're getting here early, whether it's cold or hot or whatever it is, they're getting here and they're offering their bodies as living sacrifices. That's worship. 
That, that's what we see people doing. It's what we ought to see people doing in a healthy church. Can I, now hold that thought. We'll get back to it a little bit, but let's roll along here. Number two, verse two. Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, now stick with me on this thought. He's just said that we, when we present our bodies as living sacrifices, that's uh, uh, worship. That's our spiritual act of worship. Then he says, don't conform to the pattern of the world. Okay. Now, we can take that at the level of the world's evil system and all of that. But let's look at it just a little bit differently here to help us think. How's the world worship? What's the pattern of worship in the world? The pattern of worship in the world is one hour on Sunday morning. There's a whole lot of people in the world that are worshiping this morning in different ways and different venues and different ideas and different doctrines and all that. And they're thinking that's their act of worship. They're done. They get that hour in or hour and a half depending on where they go and they've got it done. Now, I'm not saying this isn't worship. I believe that this is a very special time when God calls us to come together as saints and, and do certain acts of worship, we call them. I think that is worship. And I think there's a distinction between what Paul's talking about here in chapter 12, verse 1. And I think we ought to honor that and remember that and still do all of that. But for most of the world, the religious world, that's it. That's service to God. Okay. Paul says, present your bodies a living sacrifice 24-7. That's worship. That's your spiritual act of worship. Okay. The pattern of the world is to confine it to one hour on Sunday, perhaps. And another pattern of the world is is that this service thing that we're talking about, this, this doing, is divided between clergy and laity. The, the laity is supposed to come on Sunday morning and do their hour. The clergy is supposed to take care of all the stuff, do all of the serving, make everything happen. Okay? Now, I realize that's a strange thing for Pastor Steve to say, <laughs> I'll explain that for those of you that weren't at the conference. We, <laughs> we had a singing group this year. Uh, it, I don't know if you know this. If you're not on, the, you've been on manager team, you know it's hard to find acapella singing groups that are first class and able to perform for a thousand people. Now, there's a lot of people that get together and sing and sound pretty good if there's 10 or 20 people there. But to perform at that level, that's hard to find, especially if you would prefer uh, an all-women's group. Those are pretty near non-existent. Uh, so the management team done a great job over the seven years and found different groups and tried different things. And this year somebody suggested a group called Sisters because they saw this internationally known singing group 
uh, had an a cappella album. Uh, they usually sing instrumental, but they had a a cappella album, so we thought, well, let's ask. So one of our ladies called and said, would you do a whole concert a cappella for us? And they said, yeah, we'd try that. We'd, we'd give that a shot. They were a little scared of it. They were a little afraid because a cappella's, like their sound guy told me, he said, there's no place to hide when you're singing a cappella. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, they said they'd try that. So they came. They're not Church of Christ members. And when we invited them, I assumed somebody would object. Somebody in here may be a little upset right now. They may think, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you invite a non-Church of Christ people? Well, I understand that mentality. I mean, I've been in the church all my life. And I understand that we like to be very distinct and we've thought over the years that one way to be very distinct is to have absolutely no fellowship with anybody that might have a little error, especially what we define as error. Okay? So we just stay away from that. And I understand that. Uh, but I really think that at some point, and I think maybe we're at that point, uh, we need to ask ourselves what our task is. I think we need to ask ourselves, is our task to convert the lost to Christ, or is it to convert Baptists to acapella music? <laughs> yeah. We haven't done very well at the second. Maybe we should focus a little more on converting the lost to Christ. But anyhow, uh, putting that aside, uh, the three sisters came, and uh, I knew I was going to like them right off the bat. We was at the airport. I went to the airport to pick them up, and Cindy was with me, and a couple other speakers came on the plane right before them. And so we just finished talking to them and telling them goodbye as they left with their chauffeur. And then I knew it was time to look for the three sisters. So as I turned around, and it happened that they were right there. I mean, they just had walked up, and they weren't stopping. They didn't know who I was. They were just walking past. And I said to Cindy as I turned around, I said, All right, we've got to look for three pretty girls. That's all I knew I was looking for. And Valerie, the youngest, was right beside me, and she said, That's us. <laughs> I said, We're going to get along just fine. So anyhow, we introduced ourselves and all of that, and later in the car they figured out who I was. They were, I was Steve up till then, and once they figured out who I was, I became pastor. And they, they kept calling me that, and I kept saying, no, so just Steve will be fine. Uh, but they couldn't help it. That's what they're trained in. You know? uh, so Friday night, they get up, and one of them says something about Pastor Steve. Well, some of my parishioners thought that was just hilarious. You know? <laughs> so they've been <laughs> giving me fits about that, so let's just get that all out of your system today. <laughs> And I really did try with them. In fact, after they said that Friday night, Saturday, I got them in the car, and I said, okay, now, let, let's just go with to, to Steve. I said, the, we don't need the pastor thing. And actually, Kim, the one I was talking to, she looked kind of hurt. She looked at me like, well, I just call you that because I respect you. you know, and I said, well, okay, respect me, but <laughs> let's go with Steve if we could. I didn't convert them, by the way. 
I did get her to call me preacher a few times, but that was about, about as good as I could do. Um, okay, anyhow, I don't know how I got off on that. Um, clergy laity, that's where I was. Uh, look at this, what he said. If you don't conform to the pattern of the world, but you transform by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. I think there's a message in there. I think if you worship like the world, if you think worship is one hour on Sunday, and that's all you do, you're never going to know what God's will is for you. You're going to have a hard time understanding it. You're not going to figure it out. But if you present your bodies as living sacrifices, if you serve others and you think that's spiritual worship 24-7, I think you'll find out what God's will is for you. The reason I think that means that is because what he goes on and says in the next few verses. He talks about serving others. He talks about not thinking so much so highly of yourself. In fact, let's just go on there. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Boy, that's what we saw the last few days, especially the last few months, the last year. People around here, the folks that work on the conference and work on all those other things I talked about, don't think of themselves highly. They think of their, their servants. They think that's what they're there for, is to serve everybody else. Uh, the singing group, the sisters told me, they said, this is the most organized thing we've ever been to. We've never seen anything that runs this smooth. I'm, these people travel all over the world. They go to churches everywhere. And big arenas, they, they go all over the world. They said, we've never seen anything this well organized, this well put together, this much on time, and everything just runs so well. You know, I couldn't draw you an organization chart of how the women's conference works. I mean, I know who the management team is, but beyond that, everybody just serves everybody else. It just all happens. I know there is an organization to it, and people understand and all that, but it works because everybody just submits to one another. Look at verse 4. Just as each of you, uh, just as each of us, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we're like that. We don't all have the same function. We, we've got different gifts, is what he says later. We were talking to a number of folks that had come from out of town and asking them what they liked about the conference and all that. And one of them said, the thing that struck me was all the speakers were so different. They all have different gifts. Now, now they all speak, of course. They're able to do that. But other than that, they're all totally different. The only thing they really had in common was they were all Christians. And they all had a southern accent. You know? <laughs> I'm going to get Deb Houston back next year. She's a Yankee. She'll sound different. 
But they all seem to come from the south this year. But other than that, they were completely different. All different gifts, all different experiences in life. And that's what Paul's saying. That's how the church works. We don't all have the same gift. We all can't do the things on the stage or the things behind the scenes. We all got different gifts and we ought to use it. Verse 5. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We form one body. We get the job done together. I had a great story one time about some missionaries that went to a foreign country. And they decided they would, for recreation, play some croquet. So they got their croquet set out. And the nationals came around and wanted to know what this game was. So the missionaries said, well, we'll teach you how to play croquet. So they explained all the rules to them and set the wickets out and got everything going. Got the native play. And finally it came to a point to where one was next to somebody else's ball. And so the missionary came over and he said, okay, now, now's your opportunity to knock this guy out. You put your ball here and you knock this guy off the court. And the, the native looked at him like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you, you get him out of the game. You knock his ball off the court. He said, why would I do that? He said, well, that's how you win. I'm not going to do that. And the game went on, and the natives wouldn't do that rule. And in fact, when they, one got through the final wicket, he would go back and help the others. And coach them and show them what to do next. And, all that. and finally, when all of them were through one, they were all back with that last one, coaching and helping and teaching. And when he finally knocked it through the last wicket, they all went, we won. We won. That's the church, folks. That's what he's talking about here. We all got different gifts. But if we all do our acts of spiritual worship, we'll all win. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And then he goes on and says, whatever your gift is, do it. Whatever your gift is, use it. Whatever your gift is, serve. And he lists a few gifts, but we've got a list 20 times that long around here. And what Paul says, whatever it is, what you got, just serve. So that brings up a real interesting question at this point. After we've talked about this chapter and what it means to be a Christian, let me ask, what's your gift? Second question, are you using it? Are you serving the body? Some of you can answer what your gift is. Well, I'm good at this because this is my job. I'm good at this because I succeed in my career. But are you using it to serve the body? That's what Paul's saying Christianity is. That that adds on to what we've been talking about the last six weeks. How do you live as a Christian? You serve others. Use whatever gift you have to serve the body. You offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, if you're not doing that, if you're conformed to the pattern of the world and you think it's an hour on Sunday and that's my task, I'll be there. But I don't do anything else to serve. 
I'm not saying you're not saved. We covered that the last six weeks. You're saved and going to heaven because of God's grace. But if you're not offering your body as a living sacrifice, if you're not serving the body, then you're not helping the body be the best it can be. This is an amazing body. But it could be more amazing if everybody served. And the other thing I think more important is, if you're not serving, you're not figuring out what God's will for you is. I think you need to serve and try some things, and God will begin to show you his will. He'll introduce you to the right people. He'll get you in the right path. He'll get you in the right place. But you've got to serve to find that out. All right, let's jump back up to the start of verse 1. I skipped one word up there. Chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Therefore, basic rule of Bible study, anytime you see therefore, ask yourself, what's the therefore therefore? Okay? Got to know that. That's real basic. If it says, therefore, it's there for a reason. And this, therefore, is therefore to tell us why he asked us to do this. He has just spent 11 chapters telling us about the mercies of God. He's just spent 11 chapters telling us how you get free from sin. He's told us how we don't deserve it. Some of this sounds familiar. He's telling us for 11 chapters how it's through no work of our own. How it is a righteousness from God that we got by grace through faith. That's what he spent 11 chapters telling. And then he gets to chapter 12 and he switches to the practical and he says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We don't deserve, so we serve. We we don't deserve the blessings he's given us. We don't deserve the eternal life that we have promised, the freedom from sin that we enjoy. So we serve in view of his mercies. Comes to us by grace through faith. But let's offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Then we'll know what God's will for us is. The lesson is yours if you're here this morning and need to respond to claim that freedom from sin that we've been talking about for so many weeks. Begin a life of service to others. We'd invite you to come this morning. Let's stand and sing. If you need to come, come.